Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. And we are back with something fresh out of the box as of Friday. It is steamy. It is hot. Ten City and Byron Stingley Mm. have a new treat. It's only an edit, like, leak of it. Yeah. But, Uh, but oh my gosh. Yeah, it hit me this morning. Just just wait. Just you wait, kids. This will be the the hot track of 23 for sure, as well as a few other things that we're going to be playing at you today, because our guest is uh, one of the most phenomenal uh, producers, remixers, DJs of all time and we're not just saying that i know i I say a lot of people are the one the only all that kind of stuff well there's legendary and then there's like legends of legends and creators and people that laid the foundation for disco soul and house and several other genres of music uh and uh props and praises to ray caviano for helping us arrange this today yes uh we are coming at you from the past into thursday 
Yes, into the uh, future. Yes, this is our the guest today but is John Luongo. Luongo is going to be live with us on the air in just a few. But until then, we are going to be listening to some goodies, starting with this new Ten City track. What's it called, Gant? I love me. Ooh, girl, and I love Ten City. Self affirmation house track for your life and your nerves. Yes. Yes, she did. I can live on my own if I have to be alone. I can be by myself.
was Ten City. And Ten City and who? W H zero. However you pronounce that. And this is obviously the Jacksons. Shake your body down to the ground. One of our guests remixes John Luongo. Up at noon. Stay tuned, kids. You're listening to Yes She Did. <laughs> Did I mention that this is a pre-record and by noon I meant one o'clock? No, but I did. Girl, you know, <laughs> I don't know.
would like to dance and shout with us this weekend we got you covered as always tonight's thursday the butch queens express back in action with gant johnson at one jackson street the exley and uh tomorrow night an all-new episode of drag race my absolute favorite uh and right afterwards i'll be at moist toilette sanitized for your protection. And Sunday, Gant will also be breezing at the Exley, 1 Jackson Street from 4 to 9 p.m. You can check it out, kids. And uh, we're just going to keep hitting you over the head with a few more funky things here on Yes, She Did.
was with my girlfriend. This is down in Florida. She took me to this place. It had all kinds of things growing. And she gave me something. It was a mushroom. She said, eat it. I said, a mushroom? What's that? She said, eat it. I didn't think nothing of it. You know, she was kind of a wild girl, you know. But I didn't think she was that wild, so I ate the mushroom. And I said, oh, it doesn't taste like much. She said, wait a minute. So I waited a minute. I waited a few minutes. And then the next thing I know, I was walking on clouds. They were beautiful clouds. And my girlfriend was talking to me while I was walking on the clouds. Everything felt beautiful. I almost felt like I didn't have any feet. No floor under me. It's beautiful. We looked in each other's eyes on top of these clouds. And we were talking with each other. But our mouths weren't open. Then all of a sudden, she let me go. But I didn't fall. I floated. But I was farther away from her. Until the next thing I know, she wasn't there. I was by myself. soft grass. 
And we're back. Our next guest is a legendary, and I use—I don't use that word lightly at all. Um, a legend I, of legends. Let's legend just of say legends. that. Uh, DJ, remixer, producer. Um, you definitely know some of the things, if not all of the things that he's worked on. Uh, without further ado, we welcome the one and only John Luongo to Yes She Did. John, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm happy to be a part of a show, especially uh, especially for people who love music and appreciate the art form and the DJ community. It's uh, it's the least I can do. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, not I mean, to be honest, you've done so much uh, throughout your career. And um, for those of our listeners who maybe aren't as familiar as they should be, how dare you kids at home who don't know who John Luongo <laughs> is. But could you uh, could you uh, I- illuminate uh, your your illustrious career? Uh, Ooh. Uh, uh, the, the, maybe the favorites of uh, of yours, things that you've worked on um, back uh, back in the day. Okay, um, and I'm, I'm I'm happy to illuminate. They call me Johnny the Illuminator, and um, <laughs> <laughs> so so to shed a little light, um, uh, I, I I I started off as a uh, uh, civil engineer at Northeastern University in Boston, oh. and uh, that's where I graduated. Got my bachelor's science degree, nice. and put myself to college spinning records and. Uh, came out of there i'll give you i'm trying to give you the short version so i don't get it too stretched out but i uh, started a, a magazine a promotion company and um the, and i first i started with the records from boston um the very first one that i had done was a gentleman named leon collins and i just want to say i love you which has become a a cult classic and i'm happy to say is going to be coming out again in 2023 as i'm i now own the record back and going to be releasing it and then I went into, um, I worked on a, a young lady named Melba Moore, and I worked on a You Stepped Into My Life and Pick Me Up, I'll Dance. And from that, I went on to do the Jacksons and Patti LaBelle and uh, Marlena Shaw and um, Sarah Dash and Nona Hendricks and Dan Hartman and Gonzalez, mm-hmm. um, Jackie Moore, this time Baby, uh, graduating from that to take it from the dance area i wanted to expand my my horizons because you know sometimes you want to prove to yourself the most important thing in the world is people can tell you oh you're great you're this or that but inside you know there's a little voice that says are you really deserving of this do you really know what you're doing Mm. so i said yes i do (laughs) and uh, (laughs) and, uh, and i'm not saying i'm deserving i'm just saying i i wanted to prove it so i started to delve into rock and roll and I worked on Huey Lewis and um, I Want a New Drug and The Power of Love. And then oh, I did wow. Greg Ken Jeopardy. And I worked on Roxette, Jesus Jones right here, right now, Aerosmith, Van Halen, Don Henley, Kiss, Queen. So I just wanted to expand into that area. And then I went back into dance music again, Strictly Dance. And I said, well, let's work on in Europe, and there's a story behind that why I had to go to Europe, but I wasn't able to do records in the U.S. because of my CBS contract. So I worked on Blamange, Ultravox, Visage, uh, Vava, uh, Soft Cell, uh, Blue Rondo a la Turk, uh, Fine Young Cannibals, and I've just been very fortunate in that my my background when they started, uh, when I grew up as a kid in Boston, my, my sister was listening to Edie Gourmet 
and Johnny Mathis. My, my brother's listening to Frankie Avalon and uh, Gene Chandler, and I'm I'm trying to survive with Led Zeppelin. So I didn't know what the hell was going on, you know. You know, John, and, it's uh, so it's so strange. You know, all those those artists, I've never heard of any of them. That, you, know what, yeah, you, see, you know what the funny thing is? Eventually, eventually, I'm hoping that somebody will will find out who I am. I'm the best known unknown in the world. I think. Oh, please! <laughs> but but I I'm actually I'm fascinated. Um, uh, just because I mean, you started in Boston, um, and this yep. was. Uh, while you were going to school for civil engineering. So, I mean, yes. you, you somehow found your way into music. Um, and, I mean, and what year was this? Because it's... This was uh, 1968. Oh and um, That's the year I was that. born. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been in the game for Studio 54 years. Yes. Yes. Oh, look at you. Look at you. I love that. I, I First had... we're illuminating. Now we're looking at double entendres. I love this whole concept you do. We're a couple of fools so... filled with uh, puns and entendres and innu but, innuendos. Know, I'm going to give and... you a funny story because you'll, you'll love this and how I ended up I ended up. I used to go around. I was living in Boston at the time because I was going to Northeastern. You know, started at home. Then I said, "Well, I got to get, got to go into town." And I lived there. Lived at the fraternity house uh, Teak. I was a member of Tau Cap Epsilon, and we would go around. You know, I'd love to go to the different clubs, and I went to this little, little club Zelda, which played a lot of great music. And the DJ there named Andrew Raskowski used to go to New York every couple of weeks mm -hmm. and come back with a stack of records that he'd buy at Downtown Records or one of the, the locals' establishments there. And um, everybody go crazy. And I thought it was wonderful. I mean, he was he was the most horrible DJ in the world as far as like mixing, you know, from one to the other. I mean, if you relied on him to make a bridge, you'd fall and die. But as far as the right song at the right time, which I think is the more valuable, noteworthy quality of a DJ. Yeah. He was great. He just knew what to play. I mean, it was two trains crashing. We didn't care. You wanted to see if anybody survived. <laughs> and when he came out and you recognize the song and you go, oh, my God, how great is this? What a wonderful, horrible mix that was. <laughs> and, um, you know, so I, I just always, you know, I love that. So I went to uh, one day we were studying for class and I was we went to a place. If you ever you ever see chairs on TV, there's a uh, place called the Bull and Finch Club down there. Right. Which is where chairs was. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah. That's, That's so real. weird. That I've never heard of that show either. It doesn't look anything like TV, <laughs> but it was a real place. And it was on Boylston Street. Yeah. And above it was a place called the Townhouse. Mm -hmm. So. My friends and I, we went there to chill out a little bit. We had a drink and played darts, and then I went upstairs. I heard music, and there was a DJ on the second floor playing records. He was about, oh, I think he was about four feet off the ground, and, you know, he had the DJ booth, and uh, his name was Peter, and I said, hi, my name's John Luongo, and I play music on the, uh, you know, at Northeastern. That's like, I could, what I would do, you didn't really do anything at Northeastern. All you would do is you'd play it, play it, put an album on or a, or a cut, and you would say W-N-E-U. It was my uh, it was my big speaking part. Ooh. And um, <laughs> so I played Deep Purple and Jimi Hendrix, and I did it in the morning before class because I loved the music and it was in my blood. And long story short, I went up to him and I said, you know, if you ever need anybody to do this, call me. So I wrote my name down in a matchbook. Mm -hmm. Don't you know, two weeks later, I get a phone call. I mean, you can't even make this up. But he said, the guy says, hi, my name's Jim from the townhouse. I'm looking for John Luongo. I said, that's me. He said, well, Peter just left. 
and uh, he he gave he gave me your number, and I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding me? I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I didn't tell him that inside. I'm going, okay. And uh, when would you like me to start? Friday. And this is a Monday. So I went to the local record store and I'm buying things that I think would be, you know, good. Like, you know, this all heart of mine by the Isley brothers and heat wave and anything that I thought would get them going, you know, uh, shout and, uh, went in there and there was no cue system. So I'm going in there and I got a left turntable and a right turntable. But there's no headphone to hear anything. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, this is going to be good. So what I'd do is I'd take the record. I would put a record on the turntable of 45, make a mark with a black magic marker where the record would start, go back a quarter of a turn because I did know these turntables. They were called Ruscos, and I used to use them at the, at the radio station. So if you went one, two, and on two you hit, hit the button, it would, you'd have music by three. So it's one, music. And uh, so what I would do is go in early and I would make these marks. And as one record was playing, I would push the volume of the other one up a little bit to hear that first note, go back a quarter of a turn, and bam. I was mixing and nobody could even tell that that the records had gone from part one to part two or were, were like mixed together because I was just, it became, you know, uh, survival for me to get to do it. And I became the hottest DJ in, at that point in Boston um in new england and then i worked from that in um in the united states and were, and i started from that people coming up and asking me what songs i liked um what, what is playing i kept writing on a napkins their arm their hand so i started a little <laughs> magazine called nightfall which became the first uh, basic arts and entertainment dance magazine i believe in the country even because it, it was focused on a lot more of just just dance and uh, that's how my list started. And I went from that to start doing the record label, excuse me, the promotion company, record pool, and mm-hmm. and more and more. So Right. So does that story. mean, John, does that mean that you were not using slip mats or uh, and that there was no, you, you said there was no cue system, so you were doing it with no slip mats and no headphones. Is that correct? Exactly right. In the okay. beginning, yep. Wow. Two tur- just two QRK Rusco turntables that were like trucks. The only thing you couldn't, you know, as opposed to some of the ones turntables you try to stop, yeah. this thing would be the thing you want if you ever get stuck in the snow. It would have had a powerful motor. But, you know, I so I invented my own way of doing it. And, you know, there became an art form of doing music where you go from one to the, uh, you know, you instead of blending them together and overlapping them and mixing them, mm-hmm. um, I didn't have that ability because what the heck was I going to do? So what I did is, I, I started an art song called Quick Cut, which is Quick Cut means you go from one to the next, bam. And I would take the drum roll of one track and bam it on the beginning of the downbeat of another track, and I would just like, you know, just slam on the new one coming in, shut the other one off, and pray to God that it was right on the money. And it was scary because you didn't, it was very unforgiving. So you'd really, you could really suck, you know, and, um, if you did it wrong. And so out of fear, I invented that form of, that became a lot of DJs actually liked it and couldn't figure out how to do it. So, and then eventually when I had, when I had the, um, the wonderful advancement of a headset and like slip cue mats, that was like, Whoa, look at this. This is cheating. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the digital is, is even more cheating yeah. in, in our humble opinions. And right. then, you know, you're 
doing this, what the kids are calling, I guess, slip, we would call it like a slip edit, maybe, you know, where, yeah, you're, where right you're throwing balance. it in. You're not, you're not doing a, a segue or a, a beat match or a blend. You're just like no. throwing it in. But yes. to do that without the headphones is that's that's impressive. Just, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. It, it, you know, it came up with some. But if you, but see, I I was I took guitar lessons for uh, seven years. I was never any good at it. And you, even my teacher said, "Why are you doing this?" Because <laughs> my hand, you know, my fingers weren't as long as they should be. And I did do my best, but it did teach me musically a lot of things. So I was able to come up with some pretty amazing. Um, you know, cuts going from one track to the other, where we started one drum roll and end in the crash of another one, and people go nuts. The excitement of making it click in at that right spot was pretty, pretty intense, and it's invigorating. And if you ever missed, that was pretty invigorating too. You know, what was one of those early records uh, that you played that that really drove the crowd crazy that you remember? Um, I mean, in, well, in, see, in the in the early days, you remember. We didn't have dance music. Dance music was really, you know, it was just kind of underground in New York and certain areas. Mm -hmm. But really what it was is it was music that was danceable. So I would try to come up with um, something that was kind of fun. And one was Crazy About My Baby by Sweet Bonnie Bramlett. Mm -hmm. um, we also had I Like What I Like by the Everyday People who were from Canada. Because that started with this drum beat. And that drove people nuts. And... Um, and in my club, they liked um, in the townhouse early. They liked to listen to the music by the by the Doobie Brothers. Um, and then later on, as I as I started, I went from a, a the townhouse. I went to a club called Rhinoceros, which became it started as a white businessman's place to eat and club, and I turned it into an all black club for no reason <laughs> other than I was just playing songs that I loved, and it was attracting a great crowd. So I would go from. Um, Walt's first trip by the Ohio players into Mighty Mighty by Earth, Wind, and Fire, and the place would like go insane. I would play records like you know Tear the Roof Off the Mother Sucker, and then I play, uh, I would play like How Can I Forget. Um, you know there was tons of records that that I, that I broke uh, because they were just unique. I mean the New York City Bump, I remember that one was a great one. Soul Makosa was a great track. Doing it to death. By the JDs was like that was like a national anthem, you know that I, that I had, and I just grew from there to play, um, you know, even a lot of the Philly stuff like the Love I Lost, which at that point was was a way of like you know something to dance to. Don't lead me this way by Thelma Houston, and then again by by Teddy Pendergast, and uh, you know it was uh, it was it was a wide open field because there was no music that was made for us. We, I was inventing it, and all the DJs, we just went out there to try to be, what can we find that's interesting that nobody has heard that they'll, they'll dance to? Well, it was easy because nobody had heard anything because nobody made music for us. Nobody made dance. There was no category of dance music. It was like, go out there, you're on your own. But isn't that wonderful that we could experiment and find songs and tell each other about them? Date with the Rain by Eddie Kendricks was, mm, was, a, was a great song. You know, yeah. Um, uh, and then the fantastic Johnny C. You got me waiting for the rain to fall. You know, we had the who is he and what is he to you, uh, which was an amazing song. How can I forget? Um, excuse me. You know, um, I can understand it not only by by um, uh, by the by the new breed, but it was also done by a, a couple of other great people. It was it was just just so much fun. You know, just 
great R&B hooky songs, you know, Rose Royce, Car Wash, um, just there's a ton of them, you know, and, and I kept them all. So I have a lot of my collection with me because uh, I kept them all this year, all my years. And when I was a kid, I'd go to the store uh, and buy one copy that I play and one that I kept in the vinyl and the plastic smart yeah so you were telling me on the phone that you had sixty thousand records yeah that mm-hmm. is just beyond i mean wow. i did a huge dump of t- getting rid of ten thousand records but 60 i can't even begin to imagine well here's the other little trick that will make youtube feel feel like uh, you know all of a sudden get getting lightened again is that I, I started, there were three record pools that started in the same period. The New York record pool mm-hmm. with Judy Weinstein, David Mancuso. Yeah. You had the Long Island record pool with Jackie McCloy and the Boston record pool. I had no idea about any of the other two. We started at the same time. Wow. We had, There was no reason. Uh, I didn't know about it. I didn't even know. I just happened to say I want to do this. Mine was started from necessity. I, I'm definitely going to at some point do a book. I would go... I get the the first time I, I was at the townhouse and I went to get records from WIA, which was the Warner Electra Atlantic branch, and that was located in Medford. And they had, you know, three great labels over there. They also had, like, you know, um, different things, uh, different la- difference of the sub labels like Swan Song, you mm-hmm. know, Janus Records, all of these under labels that they had the reason the reason that major labels had other labels to them big tree and everything is because record labels did um, excuse me radio stations did not want to play just five songs from from atlantic so if atlantic said okay we got big tree records and we're going to have this label and we're going to have that label you'd bring them there and it would look like they had three different labels but they were all subsidiaries <laughs> of the main like Right, it? So it was like a chess game. Exactly. You had exactly. to be, you had to be yeah. smart about it. So, so I want to know, how did you move into that chess game from, from DJing, from being behind the wheels of steel? How did you get into to remixing and working with the labels to, to put out releases? Okay. Well, that, that's an interesting. My whole life should be called interesting. Um, I went <laughs> from everything to necessity. The, the one thing I will tell you both is I never... And I keep this rule to this day. I never say no. Can you can you split the atoms for me? Sure, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> are, are you able to come up with a cure for the Zuba disease? Oh, it's funny. I was just studying Zuba <laughs> disease yesterday, and you know I think I'm on the brink of it. Yes. You know, so part of it was like I just didn't want to say you know lose the opportunity, and the other part of it I was fearful. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what happened is now I'm give, you know I'm developing. A really great reputation. I get the magazines going. We we have the we have the record pool happening. Uh, it's killing Boston. The I, I wanted to make Boston the home of dance music. I said I want to steal that title. I said New York has it. Cal Los Angeles has it. But you know what? We can make a better scene in Boston and do it better. The, n- nice little nice little bold brash uh, you know crazy Italian dream, right? Well, guess what? We actually ended up doing it because we controlled the radio stations. And I say controlled by not 
payola, but we told them what records were breaking in the black clubs, the white clubs, what was going to be a hit. We And we'd tell different stations different songs to play. So WRKO, they said, we have an opening for one song. What should we play from your, from your clubs that we representative? I said, go on I Love Music by the OJs. Bam, number one. Sonny Joe White, John, what should we play on WILD for my audience? I'd like you to play Tear the Roof Off the Mother Sucker by the Parliament. And Ron Robin, who is a great DJ at WRKO, I said, Ron, you should probably play this record by George McRae, Rocky Baby. So we give each station something to play. We had the radios, um, the radio stations tied in with the retailers because we would tell the retailers which songs we were going to tell them to play. Then we had the clubs who were all acting. If you got enough clubs, you're acting as one radio station. Mm-hmm. So just think all these clubs in a weekend playing at least the same song at one point in the evening. That's the power of a radio station. Absolutely. So everything was growing. I got asked by Mark Kreiner and Tom Cosby. They, uh, Tom was working at Buddha. Mark was just wanting to be in, in the music business. And they had come across a group. Tom had the group that was signed to Buddha. Uh, but he didn't finish the deal. He gave me the acetate. He said, what do you think of this record? I listened. I said, I think that's the number one record. And he said, okay. I said, give me give me the acetate and I'll show you. He gave me the acetate. He and Mark were partners. I went to Boston. Do you remember? You guys must. When Billboard had like 16 different uh, charts that they had, they printed on the dance page mm-hmm. of all all the different cities, like Boston, Los Angeles, you know, New York, and they had somebody reporting. Yeah. Well, I was reporting from Boston, and I took that acetate and I made I made um, reel to reels for all the DJs in Boston. The next week, and only in that, and only on that one chart, you saw "Dance, Dance, Dance" by Chic go to number one. It was not listed anywhere. Nobody knew what the hell it was. Zero. They were so impressed. They said, "Look, we want. We're going to. We're going to sign them." They ended up bringing to Atlantic, so they could get more money. Tom left Buddha. He probably made enough money to make that transition. And, you know, and uh, I, I was just a kid. So I really, you know, I was just loving the music. So they said, would you run the promotion company for us? I said, okay. And they said, would you come to New York? I said, no. I said, I want to do it out of Boston. <laughs> so, so, you know, now they think I'm out of my mind. I said, look, okay, you can do it out of Boston. So I had Boston, New York, and Los Angeles. I oversaw everything we took. We made go number one because we 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 because we were wired in with the DJs. We really loved the community. The community loved us. We didn't we didn't pick records. You know, part of being good is having selective process that is very discreet, so that you pick quality records and you don't make people try to play things that aren't going to happen, which compromises your integrity, your quality, and also makes the DJ not trust you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I say well we can do this we can do that you know we had instant replay by dan hartman that went number one wang chung that went number one and then what would happen is though we'd get a record every now and then they'd ask if i wanted to promote it so epic sent me a record it's a tape and i listened i said nah no that's we can't do this and they said why i said well it's too slow uh so you got to speed it up add some claps you need some tambourine, maybe a little percussion, and it'll be, it'll be, it'll do better. I said, then I can probably take it. And they said, would you do it? And I go, oh dear God. So, so, so what I did, you know, my life should be called, oh dear God. So I got, I record the record on my, on my reel to reel. I'm recording the demo, the not the demo, the the 
acetate they gave me of what they wanted to release, I recorded it on my reel-to-reel slower. So when you played it at the right speed, it would be it would be faster. I clapped on it on one speed on one side. The other side, what I did is salt shaker, spoons or a tambourine, and I said, "This is what you got to do." I send it to them, and they said, "All right, listen, would you come and do this?" I said, "Okay, <laughs> you know, I really didn't need to do this at the moment. I had enough on my plate, but you know." I said, "All right." So I go to New York, and they I wanted to go to Media Sound. They said, "Where do you want to go?" I said, "Media," because I had seen Media on the back of many records, which I liked and enjoyed, and that gave me um, a comfort that you know some great records are there. The the person in charge of the studio, Susan Planer. Um, said, I want to introduce you to the engineer. I said, he's an assistant engineer, so this would be one of his first projects, but he'll be, you know, he's quite good. So his name was Michael Barbiero, and, you know, we hit it off, and I figured this is great. He's new, I'm new, what could go wrong here? <laughs> you know? So, so I said, Michael, I want the bass drum to be this big. I didn't know anything about EQs or anything at that time. I just said, I just held my hand up in front of me. It was, I held it in front of my chest. I want it to be this big and hit me in the chest. I want the bass to hit me in the groin. I, said, I, want, I want some percussion and clapping on this. He said, all right. I said, you know what percussion is? And he says, yeah, I know Jimmy Malin. So he calls this guy, Jimmy, who had played with Kiss and Doobie Brothers and all these great, great artists all over the world. And Jimmy comes to the studio, meets me, and we shake hands. And I said, hey, Jimmy, here's what I'm looking for. And he starts to play a part. And I go, no, that's that's not the part. And now here I am. Now, you got to realize, I didn't really know. I just knew what I didn't want. So I basically said, no, can you turn that around? Instead of, can you go, you know, like, so I kind of had the ideas in my head, but I wasn't sure. And Jimmy said, wow. He said, are you a percussionist? I said, Oh no, <laughs> you know, you can't really say I'm a nothingist. So, um, so I said, no. And, um, we clapped, we sped the record up. We put the tambourine on, we, we finished it, gave it to Epic. By the time I get back to Boston, they say, we've given this to the clubs. It is getting raves. It's you stepped into my life. I know more. It's being played at the garage. Uh, it's being played all over. Could you come back and do another one? I go, are you kidding me? So I go, yeah, come back and do another one. We do Pick Me Up, I'll Dance by Melbourne War, and that becomes a hit. And Jimmy, you know, and, and the one thing I would do, this was, it was, I don't know if it's what you'd call it, but I never wanted to get stale, and I never wanted to be comfortable, because comfortable is the first thing that happens before you become complacent, and complacency and failure seem to live together in a mm-hmm. world I never wanted to be at. So I said, we need to put a sound on this that's never been heard before. And so Jimmy, on the way to the uh, on the way to the studio, he buys a a one dollar toy. It's a tube that you just spin over your head, and when yeah. you, if you spin it fast, it goes right. Uh-huh. It's called a hum hum. And hummer. he puts it. I said a hum hum. So I put it on. So I put it on the record. I said that's it. Here's the sound they want. So if you listen to Pick Me Up I'll Dance, you'll hear. That's it. So oh we get a one dollar hum hum. And one dollar hummer on Pick Me Up I'll Dance. Wow. Uh, so so uh, there it is. Melba Moore 
is still in the game and we have begged and pleaded with her on social oh, media yeah. to be so our guest our but show. she just had a show at this jazz club in Oakland called Yoshi's I don't know if you're familiar oh, with yes. that she just did that over the weekend and, and next thing she's going over to the UK to do another show I mean you know so that's the the longevity you know of is, those records yeah you know. that so you, yeah so John uh, you know obviously your body of work we could talk to you for several more hours beyond even our show probably for a few days even but out of all the <laughs> artists that you worked with and all of the projects that you did which ones are your favorite like you're like oh my god this is what i'm going this is what i'm rolling with now yeah well uh you know it's it's like trying to pick your favorite your favorite child because right. each one the moment in time sure. that was special you i would say um i would say one of my two, a couple of them. One was for sure Dean Hartman because mm -hmm. he he was such a magnificent, intelligent man, and he was so um, you know he came from Rick Spring uh, Rick Springfield. Uh, he, he came from um, Edgar Winter Group, and um, you know and he oh, I didn't know he that. was there. yeah he was played Frankenstein. Remember that Frankenstein and all those great songs, yeah. you know. Okay, Johnny Winter, Edgar Winter, that was it, and and he was he Rick Derringer, and and we're on stage. It was unbelievable. He's actually wrote and singing on Free Ride, okay. Oh, but Dan wow. was unbelievable, and he came in and he he was just such a decent guy, and he loved the club scene, and he was so smart, and he was just a he was a hook machine, and we got along great. And he was very demanding. And, you know, a couple of the things I did when I did relight my fire, he, he and my assistant, Michael, would go, hey, do you want to make, you sure you want to extend that? I said, yeah, I'm sure I want to extend that. And they would, you know, they, if you, you weren't tough in that day, you would really, you would find it difficult because you would, you would be prone to compromise. I don't mind compromise, but to compromise when you know in your heart you feel correct, that's not a compromise I'm going to make. So he, he was one of them. Um, Another one I would think is uh, is is Jackie Moore because uh, this time baby and she was just an amazingly wonderful, uh, beautiful lady who had had kind of been on the verge of success and had had a couple of songs that people heard but it never clicked and when I did this time baby she became a queen again she really she just was a magnificently wonderful person and um she deserved that and one of my favorite guys is um Huey Lewis too he was another one he just great guy just down to earth really I'm so sad he's got this de degradating ear situation yeah, I had heard about off, that I had heard you know? about that but he's he was a great guy and they you know they're all I get along with everybody Steven Tyler you know so th those were probably I think those were were some of my very favorites I mean I um, some songs I did that I, I really liked. I really liked Gonzalez, Haven't Stopped Dancing. I yes. finished that and I said, I think I just did something that's really going to be big. Right. And well, I was right about that one, huh? Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember <laughs> buying the. I remember buying the compilation, the Studio Fifty Four disco compilation that had that song and this time, baby. I mean, those are probably the biggest Studio Fifty Four records. It's yeah, they, from they from really... where I've, um, you know, yeah. from from what I've seen or witnessed. I mean, I wasn't around then, of course, but you know that. And I guess the other the other qu real quick question, you know, um, who in who like who are your heroes? Like you, obviously, 
you know, kind of started this whole thing, you know, and are one of the pioneers. But, you know, who inspired you the most to, to, to go down the path and to do this and to do, do all this work? Okay, that's that's a very good question. Um, and, and it's kind of a two-parter there sure. that I can tell you as far as the heroes. Um, in the beginning, when I was, you know, we used to go to um, go out to the clubs. I mean, the great thing is I was just like a, just a fan, you know, just a member of the crowd, like everybody else. So I'd be in there and watch how wonderfully powerful a disc jockey could be as they just navigated you through a, through a wonderful evening of entertainment. They were really, you know, a great disc jockey is as good as any performer in the world and deserves that credit. They don't get it, but you know, they should because taking people from a low point, building you up to a crescendo, bringing you down and taking you left and right. And then making, making an audience go into incredible frenzy is just, it's a magnificent thing to watch and a very difficult thing to do. So in the beginning, we would listen to songs like, you know, do it till you're satisfied. Remember they, they came out as part one and part two. Mm -hmm. So everything part one and part two. And, and in my case, you know, when I, at the starting at the townhouse, once again, I was just able to be pretty good at like, all of a sudden, people would be listening in the audience and saying, wow, he's got the full version like from the album because they stick him on the album and the album's not off for another month. Unbelievable. So, you know, that was fun. But so Tom Moulton was a guy who would take part one and part two and kind of put them together. Right. Uh, he'd, take, he'd take the recording as it was and he'd add a little bit of an instrumental break, but he never really changed the, the, um, the sound uh, as far as I could see, they were just an extended version. I was the guy who came in and I wanted to change sound. I, my rules were, and I only had a couple when I dealt with people is you tell me what you want and then you have to let me go. You just let me do whatever I want. I have the right to, you have to have, give me a safety master because I'm going to change parts. I'm going to add what I, what I want to add and take off what I want to take off. So I invented, when you hear a, a, anybody say additional production, mm -hmm. that was in the dance, that's all me. There was, there was no such thing. And I made them put it down in the recordings. But the real heroes I had were Quincy Jones because I thought he was able to make magnificently powerful music and he is generationally always there you know from the things he did and the way he would go from his own recordings to michael jackson i mean he took a he took michael jackson and made him street without compromising strings horns wonderful rich sound big big sounds and the other one um i love was mutt lang who i thought was the greatest producer ever and what he did with ACDC and Billy Ocean and Shania Twain. I mean, he was a, just an incredible genius. And uh, I would say also in that category was Trevor Horn, who was, who was unabashedly fearless and came up with crazy sampling things. I mean, people talk about sampling. Remember what he did with Owners of a Lonely Heart. Oh, I mean, and, and Tried of Noise. Give me a break, yeah. you know? You know yeah. the owners, owners of the Lonely Heart. Bam, 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 oh, bam, no, bam. Oh, no, of course. You know that? Yeah, of course. Cool I just game. played it the other night, actually. <laughs> yep. And Grace cool Jones, of course. That's, that's from one of their records. I mean, my you know? first exposure to Trevor Horn was Art of Noise and Grace Jones, which is not a bad start, really. I mean, No, not bad at all. Are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, Slave to the Rhythm, obviously, you know, between his production value and... Uh, Jean-Paul Gaultier, you know, having oh, yeah. Grace as her, his muse, you know, that is an untouchable legacy right there. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, it, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, if you, you notice something, too, about me, the thing that I thought was important, I know you don't have a lot of time and everything, oh, no, but no, I, no. Want to make, I wanted to make artists... <laughs> First of all, I realized the most important, the most important aspect in any recording I did was the vocalist. I made the vocalist a star. Marlena Shaw, when she came out and touched me in the morning, she stepped out of the she stepped out of the curtain, came right there in front of you. When when I worked on John Waite, Missing You, that went number one in the country, and John Waite was the he just controlled it. I mean, I did we, we, the first. I I actually began Michael Bolton's career by doing Dock of the Bay, every version of that song. So the vocalist was the star to me. And I loved female vocalists. I just thought they were brilliant. And uh, Patti LaBelle and Gladys Knight, are you kidding me? And oh, I'm over gosh. there like a kid in a candy store saying, wow, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm think yeah. Michael Jackson, what are you kidding me? You know, <laughs> so... You know, and now you go home and you go, yeah, look at you. <laughs> so, and, and I you're, wanted and my you're, you're still doing it. You're still you're still p- pumping them out today with all with some of my favorites. You you just did uh, a release with Alma Faye Brooks uh, recently. Oh yeah, she. By the way, that record has done great. That record that's going to be a Chris. That's going to see. Realize we're small, okay? So I don't mind what would what other labels would do if if that record was on. I don't know, let's say Universal, mm-hmm. you would have heard it like be top 10 in the country. There's not even a doubt about it, yeah. but it's not. So what we do is now I got that established. I'm going to bring Alma back. Everybody's knowing who she is. She's getting tons of attention. And next year, that record will now become a staple. And everybody will say, look at this. Yeah, I'm doing it today. And the reason I'm doing it today is because you're only as good as the next thing you do. You, If you don't want to be in this business forever, if you want to have withstand the test of time, then you have an obligation to learn to like what you hate, hate what you like, deal with deal with the transitions and change, and stop bitching about what's wrong. Just say, if you want to make a difference, get up off your ass and do it. And I love the challenge of being in the same competition with other people and being judged. I don't mind if you judge me. I mean, you know, part of my, my life was, was always being judged. I, a record that they told me they hated, never wanted to hear, and would not release ended up being part of the most important moments in my career. The CBS brought me in. I mixed one record on a group. They were going to drop them. They said, we're going to drop the group if they don't sell enough because the option is so big to pick up. So I take the record. It was falling off the trucks. I bring it up to 20. It goes from 60 to 20. Now they say, can you do it again? I take the follow-up. I go, I got a lot of work in this one. I put in brake jumps of an automobile. 
syndrome. I added uh, I added percussion. I enhanced the bass. Finish it 28 hours and give it to them. And they say, we hate it. You know, I said, no problem. It's fine. And even the, the group hated it. I said, that's fine. I said, I'm here. I'm not here to be, a, you know, to make you love everything. And if you said you kind of liked it, that would be the most horrible thing you could say to me is that you kind of tepidly liked what I did. So I go and I figure that's it. It's done. But I didn't care. You know, you have to have a you have to be like a relief pitcher in baseball. You have to know you're going to lose one game, but you're going to probably save save the World Series someday. So a few weeks later, the record instead of going to Canada, it's supposed to go to Los Angeles to be destroyed. It goes to Canada to be released. The guy up there, Dominic Zafka at Epic, says, this is great. Sean Luongo puts it up. He sends it to the guy in the U.K., said, this is great. I'm putting it up. The record comes in as an import from the U.K., Butterball at the largest black station in Philly, WDAS, gets a copy, puts it on. He's getting calls from retailers. He's getting calls from his listeners. Every And then he's getting calls from Epic. Where did you get that? I get a phone call. We're going to sue your ass. I said, what? What are you talking about? We're going to sue you because we told you we didn't want that record out. I said, I'm looking at it right here. I can see that tape. It's sitting right here on my desk. So if it's out, it's doing it by friggin' teleportation. <laughs> so, you know, so finally, the record sells about 250,000 copies. Epic finally says they made a mistake. I get a phone call from the girl who gave me, the, the same girl who gave me the Melba Moore, because she was the product manager. She said, I got a phone call from Joe Jackson telling you, uh, saying to tell you to uh, thank you for saving his son's careers. And the record was called Shake Your Body. It bought the producer a $2 million home in California. Uh, they made millions of dollars. I have a gold record for it. And I got 250 big ones for that. That's right, $250. And you want to know something? It's the best money I ever received because I got paid for a full boat tuition college program on how to work with great artists, how to mix and how to produce. Wow. Gosh. Okay. And I still play that record to this day. Uh, it, it, it stands the test of time. It really does, John. Like you, you, you hit the you hit the word right there. By the way, I don't mean to interrupt you, but but the one thing I wanted to make sure about my records, I said. I'm not going to sacrifice the artist of the group to make it a number one dance record just to fit the time. I will make it go as high as I think it can. My goal is always to try to go number one. But if I, if I, if it compromises the artist by being cheap or gimmicky, I'm not doing it. I want my records to be played 20 years later, sound just as good, as a matter of fact, sound better, and compete with everything on the radio. And that's the one thing I, I am very strict on. And to hear you guys both, you know, say you play it today, that means the world to me because you're passionate DJs and fans and, you know, you, you would never play something to your audience that compromised you so I might have done my job, I think. Well, Absolutely. without without folks like you and Ray Caviano, um, we may not be sitting here doing this thing right now. Absolutely. So we, you know, as our uh, fellow radio DJ uh, host says, chef's kiss and uh, props and praises to you guys for, doing, <laughs> for, for leading the way and... and you know, foraging this path for yeah. us to, to do this. And it's, you know, something we love. I mean, for me, as I was telling you on the phone yesterday, between music and cycling, you know, that's the whole thing. Uh, um, and so you guys have, 
given us the light to follow and so many countless others, you know. So uh, we thank you so much for taking time with us today. Yes. Uh, Obviously, there's plenty more we could talk about. We definitely want the listeners to check out your website, johnluangomusic.com. There is a lot of things on there to check out. Uh, We also have your profile up on Discogs, which has a lot of the links to your website, your Twitter, your Facebook, and a a list of all the things that you were involved with so we can direct listeners there as well. Yeah, definitely check out disco-disco.com as well, which is another website. Uh, Is that of yours? Or it's it's definitely listed on your profile, but I found so much cool information uh, on there as well as on johnluongomusic.com. Um, yeah, that, so. that's not mine, but it's a real great fan, and uh, he really did a hell of a job on me. It, it talks so much about my history. You know, the, the, what we will do, I'm going to keep on the website. I'm going to every week we'll be posting something new. Like we'll have, you'll see the original uh, track, uh, you know, tracking sheets for Blumange and 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 uh, the Jacksons. I mean, there's also in time, like I, as I go through my recordings, like I just found some outtakes from Shake Your Body Down to the Ground. Ooh. So. <laughs> so Trey, Trey, Trey will say, "Oh, can we, can we, can we get can the we stems? Can we yeah, get no. the stems for those and do our own mix?" I, I, I was waiting for you two. I'm waiting. Come on. Yeah. Are you? Uh, you're, you're still in Boston? I'll come up. I got family there. So a little, okay, a little uh, New England I'm humor. Oh, in Myrtle Beach. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll ride. Oh, I'll oh. ride down there You'll on my bike. No true. problem. He, he but bites. I get I get family all over Boston. Yeah, it's, Boston's still my home. Still the you know it's it's the little city that could. It's the uh, yeah. greatest little place in the world. Oh, Boston. Well, in in light of of all of the material and all of the things that we were not able to cover today, and using a little bit of New England humor, I'm just going to say I think we're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, all I can say is that's a wicked pissa attitude. Yeah. <laughs> and this was a and this was a wicked pissa interview with you, John. I, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart Likewise. for for joining us uh, today, and also just for like Gant said, giving us uh, really just the groundwork to work with for what we love to do so very much. Um, we want to remind all of our listeners to go to johnluongomusic.com. That link is in today's episode information. And uh, right now, we're going to play John out with uh, one of his newest releases with Amafe Brooks. This is Conte Partri. Partiro, I swear to God, I'm going to say it right one day. My Italian ancestors. You did, ancestors, you did, you're great. I'm telling yeah, you right I'm, now. You're no, I'm, I'm also, come- yeah, I'm also Italian like you, but I know that my ancestors are rolling over in their grave right now hearing me say that. But um, <laughs> we're going <laughs> to we're gonna do it anyway. You're going to hear it. Uh, you're going to hear it all this year because uh, anything that John Luongo touches is gold, and I'm going to play hard. So, kids... Uh, stay tuned to Yes She Did. There's going to be more John Longo coming at you for the next hour here on The Face Radio. Thank you so much, Sean, for joining us. Thank you both. I appreciate you, and I appreciate what you're doing. You're doing an amazing job. I mean, a lot of people are talking about your your love and passion for the music and the way you package and present it. So, you know what? Your hard work is paying off and your reputations will grow and you'll become a force to be reckoned with and I'll be there supporting you all the way. Well, we, we appreciate that your, that's how we live. We appreciate your blessing and I, I you know, in light of the bigger boat joke, I think we're gonna have to have you back another time because there's a lot more ground to cover. I will come back. I'm an equal opportunity boater.
Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's some hat, Harry. <laughs> Take care, John. Thank you, guys. Bye, guys. Thank you so much. Kids, you're listening to Yes, She Did.
Like 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Love 
so true Don't leave me this way yeah. Don't you understand I'm at your command Oh baby please, please, please Don't leave me this way Away, away. I can't survive, can't stay alive without your love. Don't bring me this way. way, no, cause it would be wrong to stray along a love so true, don't leave me this way. I need you. Well, baby. Well, 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 well. Uh -huh. I need it. I couldn't stand to see you walk away from me right now, baby. No, no. You can't go. You can't leave. You can't go. You can't leave me like this, baby. Yeah, baby. She did. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Yes, yes, yes. She did. Uh, you stepped. We, we stepped real, real into it all. Uh, we want to thank you all for stepping into our lives every week. And, and sticking with us for three hours, hours. if yeah. you're still here. Or if you're listening <laughs> in the archives, uh, props and praises to the past. Yes. And your future. And uh, we want to especially thank uh, John Luongo for stepping into our lives today. Um, what an amazing time we had. What a bounty of talent, ingenuity, and... Uh, Vision. Seriously. Uh, endless. And you heard uh, just the tip of the iceberg of it on today's episode. Right, we just put the head of it in. Exactly. So do go to johnluongomusic.com and check everything out. 
Um, you can also check us out uh, this week. Uh, tonight, go to 1 Jackson Street in Williamsburg. That's the Exley. You can see Gant Johnson at the Butch Queens Express. The last stop in Brooklyn. And the first stop in your hearts. Exactly. And then tomorrow, the special place in my heart for RuPaul's Drag Race continues. Uh, it'll be the Fully next... sanitized for our protection. Yes. Moist Towelette, also at 1 Jackson Street, uh, Friday night, tomorrow. And on Sunday, you can catch Gant at the Exley from 4 to 9 o'clock and then you can catch the twos of us in the Cité. We're going to go check out at the Parkside Lounge uh, Sunday. Uh, we're going to be at uh, uh, the Parkside Lounge seeing Ron like hell. And well, that was last weekend, but you get the idea. Is it? Oh, is it really this weekend? Yeah. You know, kids, we're, we're coming to you from the past, and I'm really trying to phone it in, but uh, uh, um, I'm okay. pulling the bed. Let's as let the kids Melba say. get to her. Uh, Let's let her do it. Yeah. Let's let her do it. But uh, but though, just to clean up my mess here, uh, you can catch uh, this coming Tuesday for real, real at Cafe Kitsume, uh, one half of Hot For You Crew, uh, who we saw last Sunday. <laughs> Miss, Miss Eggs Benedict Judy. Yes. Uh, well, the, no, it'll be, uh, the, it'll, the be it'll be Robert Smith uh, spinning oh, at Cafe Kitsume oh, for Joyride. Oh, okay. Uh, for, that's at 104 Bond Street. It's really cute. It's right by Atlantic Avenue. Not mm-hmm. Bond Street in Manhattan. Bond Street. Fun fact. Roakland, exactly. Yeah, don't ride your bike all the way over there. You'll be upset. And uh, do stay tuned because you got an all new episode of FSQ coming at ya after this. We'll see you guys next week with Xavier Smith here on Guess She Did. Goodbye, y'all. Say goodbye, Dan. Uh, bye, girl. <laughs> <laughs>